Colossians chapter number one this morning, because we've been the last few Sunday mornings. I hope everybody had a good week, short spring, we're going back in the fall again now. Colossians chapter number one, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time we have to study your word, Father, and pray, Lord, you bless the lesson this morning. And Pray, God, you bless the services to follow in Jesus' name. Amen. We left off, and I know we did because I got it in my notes. We left off on verse number 10. Let's go back to verse number 9. I'm going to have to kind of get a running start here so we can catch up a little bit. So let's read, let's read the next couple, three verses here. Colossians 1, verse number 9. For this cause we also, since... The day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, and whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So chapters, uh, verses 9, we said last week, verses 9 through 23 uh, is a prayer. And there's two parts of this prayer. Actually, we're going to talk about three of them, but there's, we have the supplication, remember that? We ask, but then we give thanks, thanksgiving, okay? So we're running, we're just starting this prayer here, and Paul says that, verse number 9, for this cause, remember back in verse number 7 and 8, as he also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was for you a faithful minister of Christ, verse number 8, who also declared unto us your love and the Spirit. So Paul and Epaphras are talking. Paul is praising Epaphras and praising this church. And boy, they're really getting at it. They're going, uh, they're doing well in a, in a bad area. And, and Paul's encouraging him, and Epaphras is saying, Boy, we're doing great. People, you know, we're, so this, it's this two way communication here. And Paul says, For this cause, what cause? For what God has already done there. For this cause, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you. We talked about that a little bit last week. We pray for you and desire that ye might be filled with the what? Knowledge, Knowledge of what? His will. Knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So what is he praying here specifically? That they understand God's will. God's will. The knowledge of God's will. That's what they're praying for specifically. Okay? The knowledge of God's will is more important than simply uh, an insight or some inkling of what God wants us to do. God's will is what we're doing. It's more specific than, I'm a Christian. I go to church. 
No. God's will's more specific than that. What's he asking you to do? What's he talking to you about? Okay? So learning God's will was, was, was important. And again, what were the false teachers pushing? This mysterious religion, this mysterious um, uh, uh, exclusive to everybody else group that you had to join, you had to be initiated into sometimes. They were pushing that experience. A lot of folks go to different churches because of the experience. Do we experience things here? If you pay attention, you do. Isn't that right? If you pay attention, you do. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you through the Word of God. Yeah? We experience things here. Uh, do we ever get our toes stepped on? If you haven't for a while, I'll just go ahead and do it today. I mean, <laughs> hope nobody's wearing sandals. No, it, we, we pay attention to what's being said through God's word. We, we learn things, and we can call that an experience. If we hadn't learned it before, maybe we need to learn it for what's going on in our life right now. I've heard messages um, totally out of space, and I got something. One of the verses, I, whoa. You know, and then it became personal then. That happens through God's word. It is a knowledge of God's will. And who's that available to? Everybody. This knowledge is given through wisdom and spiritual understanding. How do you get that? Wisdom and spiritual understanding. This Bible, hearing the preaching of the Word of God, that's how God's going to speak to us. Verse number 10. So the last part of verse number 9 says, all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And in my Bible here, I write why. I like to ask why, because the next verse tells us why. Why do we need this knowledge and, and all this wisdom? That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all blessings, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So the why is verse 10. We pray for you that you learn God's will and all this be filled with the knowledge. Why? Because you may walk worthy of the Lord and unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen. That's why. So verses 9 and 10 taken together kind of describes the Christian life. You need to learn. You need to, uh, uh, what you learn, you need to exercise. You need to, you know, Go out there and do what you're told to do. Uh, please God. And at the same time, is anybody there yet? I mean, there meaning you know everything? No. We got to increase in knowledge of God. Amen. You think you're all there, you need to study a little bit more. No, but you're not there. You're close. No, you're not that close either. You're about that far. Um, We'll never be there. We'll never understand the mind of God. And we may know a verse or see, heard the same verse preached on, but there's going to be a time when there's going to be a word in there or something's going to, oh, light comes on. Amen. To walk worthy means to follow the pattern laid down by Jesus Christ. This pattern sets a standard. What's a standard? Anybody know what a standard is? 
good, I'll tell you. Uh, I used to have a lot of measuring tools in my shop, precise measuring tools. When you start working on fuel injection stuff, you're down to the billionth of an inch sometimes. You know, I mean, just holding a part will heat it up enough or it won't fit. I mean, really close tolerances. And we have these measuring tools, and we have a standard that we put in these tools that's, that's precise amundo. It's right on the money. And we got to check our test gear against that standard to see if it measures what it's supposed to measure. Because if it's off, it isn't any good, is it? So that's a standard. It's what we compare ourselves against. Talked about the counterfeit money. We learned the standard. What's the standard? Real money. That's the standard. We know that's perfect. So everything else that compares against the standard must be fake. So Jesus Christ is our standard. I'll never achieve that. No, but how you doing? What do you compare against? The pattern that Jesus gave us. If you don't have a standard, it's kind of hard to, you know, how, am I progressing in my Christian life? What, what am I doing here? So we've got a standard here. We're not going to be Christ. We're not going to be like Christ. But we can be more like Christ. Like this little boy shooting at the moon with a BB gun. The old man says, what are you doing? I'm shooting at the moon. He says, you'll never hit it. Little kid says, I'll get a lot closer than you are. <laughs> so he was working at something here. Uh, in the Olympics, when these guys compete, what's the standard? What do they always talk about? Beating. The record. Exactly right. That's the standard. Last Olympics, this guy ran a mile and, you know, I don't know what the current well, under four miles, I guess. I don't know what it. From, from, I don't know what it is, but anyways, ran a less than a four-minute mile. That, that used to be the standard a long time ago, back when I was a kid. That's been beat, I guess, several times now. But anyways, the standard is the existing record, and that's what we compare against. Because if you can beat that, then you have just set a new record, and you're the standard. And everybody's going to try and beat your record. Okay, that's you understand what I'm saying here about a standard. It's something that we compare against. Okay, uh, I'm not going to be Jesus. I'm not going to be like God, but I'm going to be a better Christian if I work on the pattern that Christ gave us in the Bible. And I can measure against that, can't I? You can measure against that. As we study God's Word, we can measure. Oh no. I've done this. I've been doing this. How do I fix that? Confess it. Repent, right? Change. How do we know? Because we compare ourselves against the standard. So that's what Paul was talking to them, to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So increasing or adding is increasing plus every good work equals bearing fruit in the knowledge of God. It's, it's kind of integrated in what we're trying to understand here. Active and uh, uh, contemplative aspects of Christian living. Look at 1 Thessalonians, if you'll, a few pages to your right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 1. 
Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody ever been exhorted before? What does that mean? Strongly encouraged. Okay, strongly encouraged. Exhorted you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. Encouraging them to follow the pattern. Follow the, compete against the standard. Measure yourself. Exhorting them. Okay? And Paul told the Thessalonians, you know, abound more and more. I exhort you. I encourage you. Why is that important these days and, and in those days? Because these cults are out to get you. The Mormon church has many, many, I've met some of them, disgruntled Baptists in it. I don't know where you buy the, disc, buy the gruntle at, but they lost theirs. Disgruntled Baptists or, and other church members end up in a Mormon church because they like the program. I mentioned before, back I used to have ads on TV, the home, you know, everybody at home, 50 million kids, and they're at home, and they're happy, and everybody's wonderful. You know, people like that. It attracted them to that, and that's how they, the people just got, well, my church doesn't do that, and they got disgruntled because they were, you know, not really a part anyways, maybe, but they, they had a reason to leave, and they found a reason to leave, you know. Uh, knowing more and more how to live like Christ protects us from these folks that would draw us away. And it's not always folks that draw us away. Sometimes it's us that draws us away. Uh, I'm not happy there. Well, what would make you happy? We've known folks that have just church hop. Church hop, church hop, church hop. What don't you do if you have pride? Go back to the first one. That's hard. So God doesn't encourage church shopping and church hopping just because you don't like something, you go somewhere else, but then, then you're offended or you don't like something else there, then you go somewhere else, and then pretty soon you're back at number one. And then you're too proud to go back there. It happens. I've seen it over my 40-something years as a Christian. You know, it, it, this stuff happens. Increasing in the knowledge of God protects us from false teachers, false religions, and all this other stuff that's out there. And we'll grab you if you get close enough to it. How many folks have come through our church over 20-something years? God. They're out there somewhere. We don't know where they are. You know? Our walk must be worthy of the Lord, he says here. Be fruitful in every good work, bearing fruit. This is one way to walk worthy of the Lord. Increasing in the knowledge of God. This is another way which we may walk worthy of the Lord is study your Bible. You know, we're reading it through this year. Uh, I don't study too good when I read the Bible through. I read. I'll go back and study later or something else. I'm studying Colossians right now. I read, and I read. <laughs> then I'm done. and go, boy, that was good. wonder what I read. You know, <laughs> I don't have any re retention at all in my mind here. It's all gone. But we become, we read the Bible and study, we become acquainted, acquainted with the character of God. And then we see the standard flag. This is what we want to be working towards, okay? 
we study God, we learn what he is, what he does, how he thinks, and what he commands. That's what Paul wanted these folks to understand then. Verse 11, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. The remainder of the prayer indicates the power which enables a young church to grow in a way that uh, 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 it has a thankful attitude which characterizes them. You ever see unthankful people? Been around them? Are you thankful you're not one of them? <coughs> yeah. Unthankful people that are, un that are unthankful. They can make a whole church unthankful. We got to have this attitude of thankfulness. I don't do that all the time either. Um, but I find myself sometimes griping and complaining more in the last couple of years than I have in a long time. And it's just the way things are, and I don't have a lot of faith to just trust God. Sometimes I just got to complain. God, let me help you out. I'm not complaining about this guy so you really understand what's going on here. You know, I, you didn't need my help. But I feel better doing it, don't I? That's bad. Anyways, that's me. You pray for me. Anyways, uh, growth is a knowledge in the knowledge of God and holiness. Growth in the knowledge of God and holiness are uphill battles. Did you notice that when you got saved, you were not perfectly informed on everything? You didn't know everything right off? Did you find that out? Probably about your second church service, huh? Whoa, where's he at? How did he find that, you know? We learn as we go. We have to learn. We have to grow. If you don't, you're stunted and grow. You're right there where you were when you first got saved. You're right there. You never, you never, you never grow. You don't learn anything about what just happened to me and why did it happen? What caused it to happen? What's it all about? We've got to learn that. That's growing. We've got to get strength through this battle, this uphill battle, and Christianity is an uphill battle in this world. It always has been. People don't like you. they got something against you just because you mentioned God or Jesus. They don't like that. They're offended by that. Why? Because they've been told to be that way. We've been told by any other media out there that, it, that, that we should not love God. Or if God was God, why is this war going on? If God is God, why does this happen? And we, we, we tend to downplay the power of God and the will of God. And people start, you know, if God is real, then, you know, show me a miracle. You were born, weren't you? What else do you want? You know, people are just learned. Just how we learn other prejudices that we have, we, we learn those. We don't we're not born with that. We learn them. We learn to disrespect God and offend God and not and 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 dislike God, almost hate God sometimes. We learn that. We hear from other people and we that must be right. We don't know why we figure that out, but that's what happens. Verse 12, the first phrase of verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Giving thanks unto the Father. That's the supplication he's getting into. You know, he's, 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 God 
has made us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints of light. We're going to get into this a little bit deeper. But we were made giving thanks to the Father. Since the early manuscripts, and I don't read Greek or Hebrew, I read some English, um, uh, the New Testament contained almost no punctuation. And some folks talk that way. You know, run on, just, you know, don't know what a period is. Or anything. But they didn't have much punctuation, so it's impossible to tell if the joyfulness here in verse 12 goes with the endurance and patience in verse 11, or if it goes with verse 12. We don't know, but it's, it's in verse 12, so we'll, we'll just leave it there. No, it's in verse 11, we'll leave it there. But there's some debate about that. Is that important? No. But folks think it is. We're going to get into more stuff as we get a little deeper here. That's going to be deeper. A lot of debate about some things. Why? Because there's something to debate. My dad was a professional arguer. And my uncle, one of my uncles, my dad's brother, was a professional arguer. My dad loved to argue. Didn't matter what it was about. But he would argue about it. <laughs> and anytime around my dad and my dad's brother from Boston, talk about an accent, they would just immediately <laughs> take off where they left off last time, and they were just arguing about everything. Politely, but they were just, no, it didn't, I, I, what are you guys talking about? But it was something there somewhere, and they would argue about it. My dad just loved to argue. I don't like to argue. I surrender quickly. Okay, you win. I'm leaving. I hang my head down and walk away. No, get back here. No, I don't want to argue with you, Dad. You will, or you know. Okay, you know I'm not very good at it. I don't. I don't do good in arguments. Sally always always out argues me all the time. My cats out argue me all the time. You know, I don't argue very well. I try to, but I generally. Let's compromise, you know. But anyways, or I'll just go ahead and pay the bill. I don't care. <laughs> just get some peace around me here. You know, I don't like to argue about things unless I'm mad. But anyway. Anyways, so I don't know how I got off on that. But giving thanks, which made us to be partakers of the inheritance. Verses 12, the last part of verse 12 through verse 23 is talking about thanksgiving, not the holiday. Thanksgiving and the reasons for the thanksgiving. Paul is not just content to tell his readers to be thankful. He gives them a good reason for it. Verse number 12, the last part of verse number 12 which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Made us meet. Made us sufficient. Made us fit. That's what the word meet means. Okay? Made us, past tense. He's not making us fit. Made us fit. Amen. When you got saved, you were made fit. Amen. You're not. Christian life is a progression of knowledge and wisdom and all of our experiences and getting closer to God. But we're not 
saved by progression, are we? We're saved right now. And we're made meat. The thief on the cross that accepted Christ was made meat. Didn't get baptized, didn't go to church, didn't go to Sunday school, didn't do anything, didn't have a Bible. But he was made meat to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. We'll get more into that later. Okay, So it's right now, it's instantaneously made meat. Okay, So the reason that the Colossians have been given a share of the, this new light is sometimes called the new exodus. The deliverance of God's true people. Remember back in Romans, we're talking about the new, the the true Israel. Remember that? Anybody? A couple of you do. Where are the rest of you? No, the new Israel, the true Israel, the Christians. We are true Israel. Nope, I'm a Gentile. Sure you are. True Israel. Okay? If you missed those lessons, you can buy my CD for... Or he's a payments, whatever. No, we're true Israel because we're saved. Okay? And they've been given a share in the new exodus, exodus, the deliverance of the true people of God. In Romans, we track down who are the true Israel, the true Christians. Remember, there was a there was a fleshly Israel that exists today, and a true Israel which exists today, okay? Spiritual Israel are all those that are saved, okay? God hath made them fit, made us meet, made us sufficient to be partakers. He made the apostles fit or able. Look at uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Colossians, 2 uh, Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read verses 3 through 6. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to, to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us, what? Able, fit, sufficient, meet, ministers of the New Testament. Okay? We didn't have to get fit before we got saved. How many folks say, i gotta, I got to change my life before I accept Christ, before I become a Christian, I'm not good enough. God's not going to find anybody good enough. Right. He makes you meet. Okay? He makes us that way. We're made fit. So he talks about this, this saints in light. He kind of uh, e e uh, evokes this, this memory of the exodus, the Israelites escaping from Egypt, going to where? Promise. Land, good. Promised land. That's where they were supposed to go. That's where they told they were going. Took the long route, <coughs> but they got there eventually. The promised land, that's where they were going to go. Okay? So he's he's got this promised land 
vision, reminder here, to the inheritance of the saints in light. Jesus is the light. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Verse number 11 and thir- to thir- eleven through 13. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Wherefore remember that ye, being in, time, in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision, in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ being aliens, from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So that's the, that's the condition of the Gentiles, or the, the unsaved, and, and the Jews. Unsaved folks, we were aliens. We were foreign to God. He didn't know us. Verse 13, but now... In Christ Jesus, ye are, who were sometimes were afar off, are made nigh, or made near, by the blood of Christ. Amen. Okay, so we're not, we got delivered from that. Now there's two inheritances here he's talking about. The first inheritance was the promised land. What's the second one? A place called heaven. We inherit eternal life, don't we, once we're saved. Don't have to work at that. We get that. That's part of our in- inheritance. Amen. We're joint heirs with Christ. We're joint heirs. An heir is somebody that inherited something, isn't it? Okay? So we're joint heirs because we inherit something. When do you inherit something? You're right. At the person, yeah. Yeah, at the person's death that has the, the, all the stuff, you get the inheritance once he's gone. You don't get it before that. Unless you really whine a lot. I don't know. <laughs> the prodigal son did that, didn't he? <laughs> Give me thine inheritance. I, you know, I want it now. Um, so he's delivered us. The verse 13 here is very, very important. The old promise was a promised land. The new inheritance is promised salvation. Look at verse 13. <coughs> Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son? When you accepted Christ as your Savior and became a Christian, you moved. You relocated. You have a new zip code. Where was the old zip code? Kingdom of darkness. And we were translated. I don't know how that happens that quick. We changed our address, old kingdom, hope you sent your new address cards out, to the new kingdom. And you know what you took with you? Some stuff, didn't you? And it doesn't fit too well in the new kingdom, and we got to work on that, don't we? God's got to work on that with us. But we were translated. We were moved. We don't belong there. That's a long neighborhood. We don't belong there anymore. We belong here. So that verse says we were moved. God moved our living. We're not there anymore. That's an important verse. Sometimes we just cruise past these things. But that's, a, that's, a, that's a very important concept. A change of kingdoms. 
the old kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. That's where we live now. Verse 14, probably our last verse. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I don't think anyone here through that verse. From verses 14, probably through verse 20, we're going deep dive here. Where are your snorkels? Scuba gears, whatever. We're going to go deep. You're going to look at a lot of scripture because this is, this is part of the deepest part of the New Testament right here. These verses right here. In whom, who is whom? Who are we talking about? Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. That word redemption, what does that mean? That's an important biblical word. That's a concept. That's a, that's a doctrine. We were redeemed. We were purchased off the slave market is what that verse means. We were here with no future, heading for hell, all on our own, and Jesus Christ redeemed us, Amen. turned us around, translated us. We were purchased by what? His blood. We were purchased through His blood. Okay? We were rescued, if you will, purchased by in whom? Jesus. From the dark power that had enslaved us, and now we live in the blessings of the new covenant, the new kingdom. Okay? So God's people are to be thankful that he has made us meek. Okay? He's made us meek to participate in his inheritance, we talked about in verse number 12, through his salvation. Delivered from sin's harsh tyranny, in verse 13. Delivered us from the power of darkness. Okay? This is important for everybody to know. Redeemed through his Son, in whom, verse 14, this statement must have kind of clarified to this young church exactly what happened to them. I got saved. We're all in this building here. We're, we're, in, we're in church. It's bad without the doors. It's kind of bad out there. What are we doing here? What happened to us? Uh, we have been rescued. We have been moved. We have been converted. We have been changed. And this is how that happened. And this is why that happened. This is why the changer exists. Okay? This is what's going on. And they needed to grab that concept and hang on to it, learn it. Because the enemy was out. You know, they were out there. We've already seen in verses 9 through 14, we've seen the power of God, strengthened us with all might, verse 11, has made us to be partakers of the inheritance of light, verse number 12, has delivered us from the power of darkness, verse 13, whom we have redemption, in verse 14. So the next six verses, verses 15 through 20, are generally regarded as the most important, I'm going to use a word here, Christological phrases in the New Testament. 
Christology is the study of Christ. Who he is, what he does. That's what that study is. Amen. We've mentioned that before. I've mentioned that before. Okay? The nature and the role of Jesus. Why did why is there a Jesus? He has a role. Well, couldn't God do it? God's doing it. Doesn't need the Holy Spirit for it. Can't God do it? God's doing it. Okay? He's using all of his his different office works to do his will. Okay? I'm not going to get into this debate here. There's, there's a debate. If you read these, some of these books, they want to make all of these prayers into a poem or a hymn or some things they can't even pronounce. But they somehow find a rhythm there or a meaning there, and it gets pretty complicated. I don't even read it. I just, what does the verse say? And I don't get into all that stuff because I'm not very good in grammar and English and all these other things I don't understand because I did not get that gene. I didn't get the arguing gene or the grammar gene in doing those genes. Okay, so anyways. So there's debates how this, these verses, how this passage develops. Don't care about that either. But these six verses here, 15 through 20, are divided into two parts. Verses 15, 16, and 17 talk about creation. We're going to find out. 15, 18, 19, and 20 talk about redemption. There's a chart that someone made here, and I kind of plagiarized it. Don't tell anybody. I changed the word here and there, so it's actually my own. I don't know <laughs> how that works. Okay? But in creation, and we'll read five, six, uh, 15, 16, and 17, and then in redemption, this is what Jesus does. We'll see, that, and it's very deep stuff. Amen. We're gonna look at a lot of scripture. It's, it's deeper than what you, if you just cruise on by, you don't. You mean, oh, that's that's nice. Deep stuff. What what Christ did for us. Okay. So next week we're gonna we're gonna jump into that. I'm gonna start today because I'll get you just a couple pages in or a page in, and then we got four or five more pages to go. Okay, per per verse. It's not perverse. I mean, per, per scripture, perverse. You guys think the bit worst thing sometimes. <coughs> okay, but he talks about the superiorities of Christ Amen. in creation. <coughs> Nobody else has made anything alive. Oh, but of course they have. They've used it. Test tubes. They've done it. What they use. They used what God made, didn't they? Nobody made their own life. They had to use something that was already alive, didn't they? Okay? So they didn't make life. It existed somewhere, and they borrowed it. Okay? Redemption. We're not redeemed by church membership, baptism, giving money, all these things we can name. We're not we're redeemed by Christ. Amen. That's what he's going to tell us here. How great and wonderful our Savior is and how he is superior because he made the universe, he made this world, and he redeemed it. Okay? And that wasn't a, I have to redeem the world. When was that planned out? Before the world began. They had a discussion because they knew what? Man was going to need redemption. And guess what? He did. 
second or third day in Eve, Adam, you know, what'd you do? You know, had to, God had to cover their sin. We'll have a word of prayer here, and we'll we'll close out. Thank you, Father, for this lesson, Father. Pray God you bless pastors he preaches, Father, and pray God you bless our morning service. You bring visitors, Father, today in Jesus' name, Amen.